Welcome to Next in Nonprofits. I'm Steve Boland, and I am very pleased to be joined today by Noelani Pearl Hernandez, the Vice President of Culture and Leadership at Charity Navigator, and Carly Badhart Bowl, the Executive Director of the Native Ways Federation. Uh, Carly, Noelani, thank you so much both for joining me today. Oh, you're welcome, and thank you for having us. Happy to be here. So, Noelani, if you would just start with a little introduction about yourself and your organization, and then we'll ask Carly to do the same. Absolutely. So, my name is Noelani Pearl Hernandez, and I'm the Vice President of Culture and Leadership at Charity Navigator. And I have over uh, two decades of experience in the non in nonprofit work, and had always um, saw Charity Navigator use it um, the entire time. Um, I was in nonprofits to kind of review things and look at things. Um, and um, I'm just so excited to be a part of their team because Charity Navigator is a charity itself. And for the last two decades, they've led, um, they've been a leader and with a small and mighty team um, bounded by the passion uh, for philanthropy and all of those things. And we're enabled by technology and we're dedicated to leadership and collaboration. And what we really do is we provide millions of donors with ratings and tools and advice so they can make um, informed and impacted decisions when they're giving. And so we're really excited to be able to do that and, um, and to pair with organizations like Carly's um, organization uh, to do that really well. Thanks so much, Carly. So I said, hello, friends and relatives. I greet you all with a handshake and a good heart. My name is Carly Badhartbull. That's in, in English. In Dakota, my name is Tokadakia Maniwi, or Woman Who Walks Toward the Future. I'm a citizen of the Flandreau-Santee Dakota Nation. I'm also Muskogee Creek, and I'm joining you from my ancestral homeland of Minnesota Makoche, also known as Minnesota, uh, where I live with my amazing six-year-old son, Quill. Um, and I introduce myself to you in my native language because it is the original language of my people and of this land where, where I sit, and, and it helps to ground me in the discussion, as my focus is on helping to strengthen connections between people as well as, as to this land. Also, our languages are endangered as we have very few first speakers left and language revitalization is an incredibly important topic, something that's close to my heart, um, close important to our nations and communities. And I'm also a former language teacher, so it kind of shows up in spaces um, where it might not otherwise, even on, on podcasts. <laughs> um, I am <laughs> I am executive director of Native Ways Federation. Our mission is to activate and expand informed giving to Native nonprofits through donor education and advocacy. Our organization was founded by a number of national Native nonprofits, folks who have been doing this work for a really long time. Association on American Indian Affairs, who just celebrated their 100th anniversary, Native American Rights Fund, American Indian Science and Engineering Society, National ICWA, American Indian College Fund, First Nations Development Institute, the leadership from those organizations started coming together a number of years ago, and they started Native Ways Federation due in large part to two key issues. One, the lack of adequate philanthropic support coming into Native nations and communities, and two, the fact that the majority of those investments, especially the larger dollar amounts, were going to non-Native organizations and institutions. And unfortunately, we know that that remains the case today. Prior to coming to Native Ways, I worked 
again, as a Dakota language teacher, I was an attorney in child welfare. And then in philanthropy, I was a program officer for about six years at the Bush Foundation, focused on the, their work in Indian country. Outstanding. So some great backgrounds for a conversation uh, about philanthropy moving forward. What does it look like compared to maybe past practices, specifically around how we talk about equity and giving? How does how does that very, very broad topic become something that gets actualized in the world? Because I think there's so many ways to approach this and think about it. And uh, I know Charity Navigator has been trying to consider this and talk about it more in the sector. Uh, and clearly, Carly, from your work, you've been just living it in, in this role. Um, but could we begin with just a, a little understanding of this broad conversation of um, what is equity in philanthropy, equity in giving mean when we're we're starting this conversation. You know, um, Carly really um, hit the nail on the head in regards to this, and um, you know, it's something that's close to my heart. My uh, my husband and I have been doing uh, work like DEI work before it was even called DEI, um, and I was really excited today to be paired with Carly to have a conversation because my husband has Native American heritage as well, and I think that what Carly said in regards to um, these organizations are deeply underfunded. Uh, when we're looking at people of color and their nonprofit organizations, we're seeing donors not, not funding historically highly or as much to these organizations. And for Charity Navigator, that was a real big issue because one of our values is equity. And you know we qualify that with fairness and diversity. And we wanted to help our donors really give equitably to nonprofits and nonprofits of color. And so what we did is we created two of our beacons and those are the beacons that I you know, strictly focus on. Um, and we do that in two angles, under that community and culture and then also leadership and adaptability. So specifically at our um, community and culture, we wanna ensure that everyone has the opportunity to give. And our mission is to make impactful giving easier for all. And then also we wanna make sure that we are guiding towards better outcomes. So this comes by shining a light on causes that are addressing areas of uh, the greatest need and which is often and historically those marginalized groups. So we do that with constituent feedback, equity strategies, um, and um, by measuring the dollars donated and where those gifts go um, to those people of color um, led organizations. And we were um, lucky enough to be able to pair with Carly to create a curated list that was focused on highlighting the best charities in um, Native American, uh, in the Native American community so that donors could specifically give to those organizations. So Carly, as you talk about this work, um, how do you help Charity Navigator try to grapple with a conversation of equity across all of these different organizations? You've got um, this very specific experience, but does that um, help inspire and enlighten other work that they're doing? Or do you think it all has to be approached a little bit differently based on the peoples that you're talking to? So our work is very much focused on education and advocacy. You know, despite the fact that there are currently 574 federally recognized tribes in the United States, um, as well as state recognized native people are approximately 3% of the US population. Uh, we And yet we receive less than half a percent of large foundation dollars. And that's, that's to native serving, the number to native led is far less. 
A recent report from Center for Effective Philanthropy showed that 67% of foundation leaders say that they provide little or no funding to Native communities. So all of this just, you know, emphasizes what's already been shared. Um, it's mm -hmm. especially difficult to find the data for individual donations to our communities as that data is often not collected. Um, and so that's that's a that's an, an issue in and of itself. Um, I was previously familiar with Charity Navigator as I worked in the in the field of philanthropy. And when I came to Native Ways Federation, one of the things we talked about was um, at our organization was the issue that Native-led nonprofits often don't see themselves in, in many philanthropy-serving um, organization systems, processes, uh, you know, charitable giving websites. And where we did show up, only a few of us were visible. And often we didn't rate very well when we were being assessed by external sources. And this is despite the fact that there are so many amazing things that Native people and, and tribes and organizations are doing in our communities to address the issues our people contend with from education, climate change, housing, public health issues, you name it. And when I saw a notice that Charity Navigator was reassessing the rating system, I reached out wanting to know how it might be uh, more supportive to our community's organizations. And I was I was really grateful um, that folks were willing to sit down with me and, and, and then ask me to sit on their consultative council of nonprofit leaders to help give guidance in their process. And then of course that initial conversation led to other things um, such as the blog series we, we co-curated on the importance of supporting native nonprofits working across a variety of issue areas. Um, when we think about equity in charitable giving spaces, you know, for us at Native Waste Federation, we think about charitable giving from an indigenous perspective where the greatest leaders are not those who acquire or hold the most resources. In fact, they're those who give the most away. To be generous and to, you know, the idea of generosity is to contribute to the well being of one another and of, of the whole. Um, the idea of giving without an expectation of return, but the idea that it's reciprocal and that we take care of each other as community. In my in my culture, and I'm Dakota, uh, we have a saying, which means we are all related. Uh, and that means we're all responsible toward one another, not just as humans, but related to everything, land, animals, water, the air. What I do impacts others, human and otherwise. And, and there's a personal accountability component there. And it also recognizes the ability to make mistakes, to be human, to be real with one another. And oftentimes as you know, BIPOC uh, organizations and, and communities, we often don't feel we have that ability to, to be real, to fail as we grow. Um, at least it, it can be that way. It, you, know, it, you can grow if you're in a supportive environment for growth. And we know that donors have the opportunity to, to take risk, to take calculated, informed risks. And they can use organizations like Charity Navigator um, and their tools um, to, to help them determine how to, uh, you know, what where they're going to, um, you know, put their, their dollars. Um, but they also uh, need to have this understanding um, that there's often a deeper story um, behind how we show up in some of these spaces. And so that's where we're, we've come in to try to help with the education and advocacy um, so that uh, we can so that we can be better represented in some of these spaces. Probably brings up a really good point in regards to the whole story and that holistic view. And um, my assumption is that was one of the reasons why she reached out to Charity Navigator because when we were looking at before our beacons, we were looking at just one kind of key data point that was looking at, you know, accountability and finance. And what we wanted to do is take that approach so that donors had the holistic view of a charity's effectiveness and reliability, which 
not only includes that impact and accountability in finance, but it also includes that community culture to show the way that they work within their community to see if the impacts there correctly and to really make sure that there's that equity across the board with a nonprofit. And that's an important thing when we're talking about giving back. As Carly is saying, you know, it's not only to give without any strings attached to it, but it's also um, it's giving to a community without to, so that the community grows together. And that's really what we're doing is we're giving um, the ratings out to those donors so that they're making an informed decision to be able to make sure that their community grows around them. Something that Carly mentioned earlier, and I'd like both of you to kind of comment on, is this uh, um, distinction between uh, like a native-led organization versus a native-serving organization, and you know other organizations that might be serving other communities where equity would normally be a part of the conversation. But leadership in the um, the designated charity is is a question that I think is being talked about more and more. How how do you rate that a charity navigator, and how do you help communicate the importance of leadership uh, versus just community serving? On a very personal level, I think um, for me, it's really important that when there is, uh, for example, a native organization that's serving native people, that their leader be native. Because there are nuances and things that they, that a person, um, a white person just wouldn't understand. They wouldn't understand it um, as they give back to the community. And for us, one of the things um, that we do in order to make sure that um, visible or rated in Charity Navigator is we have our equity strategy checklist and we've identified 14 policies and practices that um, you can go through and we the co-creator of that list is Equity in the Center and we use that to make sure that we are looking at the whole organization and then we have this other aspect of a constituent feedback that also gives us the ability to have the community give back that feedback and information to see if the actual organization is serving its community correctly. And then on a side note, personally for me, it's extremely important to get more people of color um, at these organizations. Currently, I think it's, uh, and Carly, you might have the exact number, it's under 20% of organizations that are nonprofits that are led by people of color. And we sure as heck, are more than that in the population. So I think that we need to really take a deep look to see, you know, what the issue is. Absolutely. You know, when when I worked in philanthropy, we we did our due diligence, you know, and and I have so many stories around, you know, where an organization maybe was flagged or didn't meet criteria a certain way. Um, but we took the time and we had the ability to take the time uh, to dig in a little bit, to get to know the story, to find out what was happening and what was the context for the situation. Um, donors want to be able, individual donors too, want to be able to make informed decisions. It's just how to go about doing that. And so having these systems and processes in place that acknowledge that there's a, a, a bigger story uh, is really, really important. At Native Ways Federation, we define Native-led as at least 51% board of directors and leadership team identifying as um, American Indian, Alaska Native or Native Hawaiian. And so that's how our board of directors, uh, that's how we have um, you know, 
made that uh, come up with that definition and not just on our own, also with input from folks in our in our communities, um, because we think it's really important um, that there is an understanding that the majority of grant dollars are going to non-native that are, I guess, flagged as going to native um, communities are going to non-native organizations and First Nations Development Institute, one of our member organizations has a, a number of, of data on that. Um, but also they need to, donors need to understand that native led organizations have the solutions for our communities. You know, we are most close to our communities and we're on native land and the imbalances of power more often than not, um, which, which are very much um, you know, prevalent in the philanthropic space, more often than not those imbalances can be traced back to the disconnection of our people from one another and from the land, from federal policies and practices that, that took our land, took our children through boarding schools, child welfare practices, policies, and otherwise. And this needs to be acknowledged and actions need to be taken to give us back some of that power. So supporting Native-led is part of, uh, part of doing that. And um, we also need to be, we also need to make sure that we're visible in a variety of spaces from, um, you know, board of directors, leadership spaces and, and organizations, which we, which we are, um, but it, it, to, to staffing um, at philanthropy serving organizations, to board and leadership positions at foundations, to government. Um, you know, we need representation in all these spaces so that we can be at these tables that we've historically not been invited to. Um, and then it's really important that our perspective is, is present. Um, one of the things that we really focus on is we encourage donors to spend some time um, in getting to know these charities that they're supporting. So um, something that Carly said that's really significant is that um, Native-led organizations are giving back to the community because they know what has happened. And so what we do is um, we give charities the information of, do these charities have a proven track record? Um, are they listening to their constituents? Do they have strong equity practices? And when charities come and fill out their profile, they love talking about their mission and their model, and they can really focus and highlight that things like we are a Native-led organization giving back to our Native community. You know, organizations that, that are serving communities of color, uh, other disproportionately underrepresented communities, um, without necessarily having that leadership reflection piece. And how does that show up in your metrics as you're talking about Charity Navigator, that maybe that's different from an organization that's just serving traditional um, you know, not measuring that, not knowing their impact on equity in who they serve. And are those organizations then sort of encouraged to start talking about how they begin moving to a more representative leadership structure rather than only talking about the communities that they serve and not necessarily thinking about their staffing, their board leadership, their community outreach strategies? Um, do you use this as a, a tool to try to move some organizations along? And, and how does that begin if they've in fact already been serving some of those communities anyway. Right. So we understand, you know, our community and culture begin, um, we understand that that's a, a journey for a lot of people. And that journey might begin by serving a community of color or native community and having a leader that is not, not a person of color or native, um, our native. And so in our equity strategies checklist, that has that information. And you might be able to check off one of those 
um, things that's there, one of the 14 policies and practices. And as your organization changes and your leadership changes, we then, you can go back and redo the checklist and your, your scoring will change based off of that. But those 14 policies really help kind of focus on that. And we reward people as they're on their journey. So as they start to do more work, as they start to make changes in their organization, we do reward them with those, those bonus points to say, we see that you're working on your journey. We see that you're trying to do more. And, and those are things that are really important to us. And is part of that journey uh, encouraging newer organizations to step into a space that might have been dominated by other organizations that don't have that representation and maybe aren't moving? Or do we just um, try to, to move those that are already there along? I, I see the emergence of uh, new organizations happening more in you know from communities that are directly impacted rather than necessarily waiting for other charities to catch up to them. Uh, and I, mm-hmm. I think that's always a challenging thing to do in terms of the fundraising piece. If there is a long established uh, organization that, that the community maybe knows better, but a, a new group emerges to uh, meet that challenge in a very different way, maybe very different culturally, certainly from leadership and staffing, but getting funded uh, is always that that challenging moment. So do you see that part of the the landscape change happening and, and how do you help surface that? We definitely do. And one of the things that we're really focused on in this next year uh, is that outreach to communities. And we understand that uh, we have to build trust. Look, Carly came, out, um, came to us and said, I see that you're changing your beacons. Are you changing two beacons? I have some questions and I have some input based on that. And we know that we have to do that in all communities to encourage people to, to you know, come to Charity Navigator. And we're not waiting for them to come anymore. We're actually reaching out to them because we believe that it's important. Uh, you know, historically, these groups haven't trusted larger organizations like ours to say, you know, this is something that we want to do. And we know that. And as a, as a result of that, we're, we're creating that outreach as we speak, to be able to reach out to these groups to really um, bring them into the fold and bring the table to them and say, you know, we want you to be a part of this. So that's a a key focus for us this next year. And if if I could add, I think that building those relationships, that piece is is so essential. Um, You know, we have, we have a huge invisibility issue in our, in with our communities. Um, Native people, nations, organization, we're often still left out of DEI conversations. You know, the idea of BIPOC, uh, that I is very broad uh, and there's so much that people don't know about us. And and there's reasons for that. I mean, it's been intentional, quite frankly, that um, there hasn't been a lot of education about Native people, including the fact that we're even still here. There was a report that came out a few years ago called Reclaiming Native Truth. First Nations Development Institute and Echohawk Consulting did a study and it was funded by the Kellogg Foundation. And there's a a number of good good data points in there, but one of the pieces that came out was that of the the folks that they surveyed across the country, 40% didn't know that Native people still exist. And when that's our starting point, um, and that that was surprising to a lot of, I think, non-Native people. To Native people, it wasn't because we're living it. That invisibility is 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 something that we have to deal with every day, and it, and it's a huge obstacle, you know. And that when that's our starting point, convincing people that we're still here and doing the awareness building, uh, it's extra challenging. And that's where you know it, I think as a as a nation we are seeing um, more 
more organizations and institutions, government stepping into doing diversity, equity, inclusion work, which is really good. And, and, and it's good to see that. Um, and we need to be part of those part of those conversations as well as part of what needs to happen next. I think sometimes folks get stuck in the in the lingo and and we're still stuck in the awareness building and the we are still here. And we need to move toward the, okay, now what actions need to be taken? And so, you know, this relationship with Charity Navigator is an example of trying to take action. You know, we're trying to, and at Native Waste Federation, we're trying to take the burden off of individual Native-led nonprofits to do some of the educating and advocating on a sector-wide scale and with their input. And so we have a couple of different um, ways that we're doing that along with building our relationship with Charity Navigator and, and other non-Native organizations. Uh, we launched a national giving day focused on increasing awareness and support for Native-led nonprofits. It's called Native uh, Nonprofit Day. And this was our second year in 2023. And we're excited about moving forward in 2024. It's the third Friday of, of May of each year. You can go to nativenonprofit.day to find out how to participate. But it's largely a social media campaign. We've created toolkits with information and graphics, all kinds of good stuff that everyone, Native organizations, as well as allies, organizations, individuals, that they can use to promote giving to Native-led nonprofits. And Charity Navigator has, has been a part of sharing uh, that campaign. So we're really grateful. Um, we also, uh, that campaign caught the attention of the folks at Giving Tuesday, and we partnered with them to launch Give Native. And we are getting ready to, to, to uh, move into our second year of Give Native. And similarly, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, we're building a movement um, to educate and advocate for Native-led organizations, trying to get Native-led organizations to participate by, by providing the resources and the tools. We host workshops to help them build their own campaigns so that we can get more information out there about Native-led organizations, why they need to be supported and how to serve them, how to support them. So Carly, is the Give Native uh, effort part of Giving Tuesday or is that a separate initiative? It's part of Giving Tuesday. Okay. So as they do their outreach to potential donors and they're talking about, you know, let's give on this day, uh, but maybe yes. more specifically consider how are you giving to support uh, Native-led organizations and providing some links and additional information? Is that the gist? Yes. Yes, so they've been sharing uh, sharing our information as well as inviting us into spaces uh, and to chair, chair different charitable giving spaces to promote the Give Native campaign. I think that's such a nice segue to the um, the the question I wanted to ask both of you about uh, donors coming to the table that um, may have a. You know, a, a broad concept of you know improved equity in in the charitable sector is a good idea, but not necessarily. Here's my plan for how I'm going to change my giving, uh, and then when they do their giving, it's responsive to the thing that's in front of them at the moment. Their alma mater calls up and they decide to give, or you know uh, whatever the thing may be that keeps it more traditional kind of keeps it focused into those uh, older charities that there were where they're maybe not asking those questions. But Giving Tuesday and other things like that maybe has a chance to wedge that conversation uh, about equity and giving a little bit more. Are there other ways that um, we can help the broader giving public to prioritize how they start thinking about the impact of their gifts in this conversation? You know, definitely. I think that oftentimes, uh, like you said, it's kind of what's right in front of them. 
And so Charity Navigator was really thoughtful in regards to that. So when you go and search a charity on Charity Navigator, you'll be able to see their individual scoring or how much they've completed on each beacon. And because the nonprofits are sharing that information, um, either in that leadership adaptability or in the culture and community, and they're saying, these are the things that we're doing, they'll be able to see that. And what we're hoping is to change that the um, narrative so that donors start to work with that deeper. Additionally, things are happening and we're having conversations with organizations like Carly's to, to talk about how do we get more people to donate to organizations like yours um, and do it thoughtfully and to continue to do that. I think that we um, are in a very unique time right now um, with uh, coming out of COVID, uh, George Floyd's murder in 2020 and the subsequent murders of Native, Latino, and Black Americans all over the U.S. that continue to happen on a daily basis. We as, um, as Americans, as a people, are really looking at this more and having really thoughtful conversations. And so if we can continue those conversations, Steve, like you are here, and say that this is an important part of a nonprofit to see if they're doing the right thing, to see if they're being equitable, to see if they're giving to their community in the way that the community needs to be given to, then instead of it being an afterthought, it will start to be something that it's awareness like Carly was talking about. Unless you're putting it out there in front of them all the time, unfortunately, people don't think about that. So we have to be talking about it all the time. And that's a commitment that we have and we made as we changed over to those four beacons. Absolutely. And again, it's the building of the relationships, making sure that we're having these conversations, that we're building on our relationships. Um, you know, when when I reached out to the folks at Charity Navigator, and then we ended up doing this blog series, but building those relationships, having these conversations is, is so crucial. Um, you know, for, for quite a while now, uh, Native people have, have not Again, we've been invisible um, and oftentimes we'll come up on, well now on Indigenous Peoples Day or a day, we launched, we intentionally launched Native Nonprofit Day on a different day from Indigenous Peoples Day. The idea being that we're, we're trying to move toward um, something greater, which is, you know, we think Native Nonprofit Day should be every day. So all of the tools, all of the resources that we share are evergreen. You can use them year round. We provide facts and information, educational materials that that people can can access for free to get information and to help them again understand why it's important to give to native communities and to to find out how to do so effectively. You know, when we talk about the importance of building trust, what does that look like? Yes, it it, it means um, making a contribution, um, you know, be it a financial contribution, volunteering, but really it's, it's building those relationships, reaching out, asking the question, how can I help? And following the lead of those who are doing the work, uh, especially the, 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 the folks at the Native-led organization. So they can, they can tell you what would be most helpful. You know, I always say that I'm not just brown on a specific day. I'm brown every day. And so that's something that we celebrate. And, you know, in our entire family, we are, we are a blended family. 
here. Uh, you know, I'm Filipino American. I'm biracial. My dad is white. My mom's Filipino. My husband's Latino. We have a very biracial family and we talk about us being biracial on a daily basis. We talk about how um, land was stolen from my husband's family, that the reason why it's Native Americans is because this is their native land. So if we start talking about these things on a daily basis, then they become less as an afterthought and more of a forethought to say, is this charity doing the work that they need to do? Are they equitable? Those are questions that then are uh, automatic. And that's kind of what this DEI work is. It's, it's as you start the DEI work, it's something that you have to be intentional about. But just like in anything, as you start to do it every day, it then becomes your life. And so for people of color, for indigenous people, um, for those marginalized groups, those are the things that happen on a daily basis. We wake up and we breathe it every day. So this is something that we want to do. Um, we want to make sure that donors also are doing when they're giving their, their you know, resources to these organizations. We're starting to run a little low on time, and I want to make sure we talk a little bit about that trust conversation that you had about, um, you know, what is it, what does it mean to be doing the most good? So I know the Charity Navigator has uh, some tools to help donors talk about that. But again, as we look at newer organizations that may be emerging to um, fill a void, to, to be led by the communities that they represent, to deliver those services directly, all the rest of it, they may not have you know two years worth of audits or these kinds of things to reference. And how do we talk about um, encouraging and welcoming that kind of evolution in the sector when some of our traditional tools of evaluation maybe just don't come into play for that type of work or that type of new organization? How do you think about those challenges? We, you know, we need to, we need people to reevaluate their giving practices and, and start giving more to our communities in, in, in flexible ways. Don't assume because an organization is small or that they're new, that they're not doing good work. And part of making an informed decision, again, it goes back to building those relationships and finding out information, doing your due diligence by connecting with people who know what's happening in the communities. You know, organizations like ours, Native Ways Federation, as well as the Americans of Philanthropy, which I'm also on the board of, can help make those, those connections. And we're now connected with Charity Navigator. And so it's it's building, uh, you know, building that larger um, framework for folks to be able to, to connect. And I'll also add that when resources are given, there should not, again, I think we talked about this before, but there shouldn't be strings attached. You know, donors need to trust that we'll do good with the gifts that we're given. At the same time, allow us to, and be ready for that sometimes people will adapt or they will make mistakes. Everybody does. And hopefully um, they can learn, adapt and grow. Um, and, and that they'll support us to do that in ways that we define for ourselves. You know, and that, you know, to put a name on that, one of the things that, uh, you know, nonprofit leaders talk about all the time is, um, sure, we'll take, we'll take that, un, we'll take that restricted gift. However, um, if you give an, an unrestricted gift to an organization, the ED and the board who know that organization best, and when we're talking about Native um, led and um, people of color led organizations, they know their communities. So that trust not only is there for when you come to look at the charities, but it's also the trust that you give the money. No strings attached to that. Let them do what's best and decide what's best in their budget for that. Because 
then they the impact will be much higher than if you give a restricted gift that is very narrow and they're not able to use it where they need it most. I think part of the challenge with Charity Navigator as an older institution that may have been kind of uh, thinking earlier about, you know, you need to vet your gift. You don't want to give to somebody who's ineffective or, you know, a, a bad actor or something like that. And coming back at them and saying these newer organizations that maybe don't have that track record right now, um, there, there may need to be some work to align that that earlier thinking of, you know, we're here to make sure that your gift is used in the best possible way. But what does that mean? What does best possible way mean now as we think about it, you know, through this equity lens versus, you know, this lens said that your overhead percentage was X before, and that was a measure that we tried to get the public to care about, but maybe that's not the right thing. And we have to help them come along as donors into seeing where that more impactful message may be. And I think that's, challenging for all of us who do donor work in community where there's maybe some residual thinking about that, that we have to help undo. Uh, but I, I do think it's part of the conversation when we talk about newer organizations that are led by the communities impacted that maybe don't have some of the old fashioned metrics that are the things that people may be still thinking about. Uh, is that just me or does any, anybody else feel like we're struggling with that? Um, you know, that's something that's one of the reasons why we moved to our beacon, our four beacons, because we we saw that there was a focus on just that accountability and finance. And there wasn't a focus on impact um, or uh, and results and leadership and adaptability and community culture. So when we decided um, as an organization to move into those four beacons, we were really focused on making sure they understood why we did that. So with leadership and adaptability, we're really focused to help donors understand if a charity has a really clear um, purpose. Uh, accountability and finance, of course, explains that they're being transparent and fiscally capable, and which is something that we've talked about before. And impact and results explains what they've accomplished. And then our fourth, the fourth beacon in culture and community shows who they are and how they engage with their constituents. So we are really focused on changing that narrative to say, yes, and, because there's not just one way or another, it's a yes, and when it comes to giving this money. Yeah, I think that trying to get a better picture of, of the story is so important here. Accountability is still important. You still want to know that, you know, where you you know, if you're you're sending sending a check to to an organization, including a newer organization, that um, you know your hope, I guess, is is that it will benefit the community, and yet at the same time, sometimes you know there are are spaces where where these metrics don't really capture what 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 the story is. And that's where asking for that additional information, encouraging folks to reach out to the organizations and find out. Again, when I worked in philanthropy, there was, you know, we did our due diligence. We may have had an organization that had a bad audit. Pick up the phone and find out. Don't do it in a way that's, you know, <laughs> condescending or, you know, you don't want to, um, you don't want to put yourself in an, in a, a situation that's uncomfortable, not just for for yourself but for for the organization too much. So, but if you have a relationship with them you can ask tougher questions. So again, it goes back to relationships, building those relationships, making those connections. So you can ask some of those questions and say, hey, what happened here? Um, and 
it's, it's, I think it, part of this is, is going in just knowing that, knowing that there may be some, some spaces where there's information that isn't the complete picture, but that there is a way to connect with a human being to find out a little more to the story and to figure out is, you know, again, when I, when I, when I worked at, at the foundation and we would pick up the phone and ask, oh, okay, this is what happened. This is what you're doing to, to make some changes. And you're doing really exciting work that your community is excited about. That's a calculated risk. Does it mean that you're not still going to have, you know, issues? No, but everybody does. And, and that's one of the things that, um, you know, I, I often get frustrated by is for so long, the organizations, the in particular, um, you know, non-native or, or non, you know, people of color led organizations that have been giving, getting the, especially the larger um, investments from, whether it be from individuals or from foundations, um, they make mistakes. They oftentimes are not moving the needle for the change that we want to see. And yet those grant dollars continue to go toward them. Whereas you can take a calculated risk on an organization that's maybe smaller, that's finding its way, that's newer, as well as build that relationship and figure out how can I help to create that environment of trust, that environment of support, so that they're able to succeed on their terms. We are running very low on time. This is such an important topic, and we've only kind of scratched some of it in the amount of time we have, but at least it's a beginning, and we will, again, have links in the show notes for people to learn more and start sharing what they're learning. Uh, before we do close up, though, uh, Noe, Lani, Carly, do you have things that you want to make sure you at least mention if we don't have time to dive into in deep that we haven't had a chance to cover yet? Yeah, I just, you know, I want to uh, thank Carly from myself and Charity Navigator. And not only did Carly reach out to us, but she's also a member of our cult um, our consultative uh, council of nonprofit leaders, which we reach out to their diverse team of experienced nonprofit leaders. And they advise Charity Navigator on various aspects of the sector. They shed light on factors that influence nonprofit success. And we work collaboratively with them to help strengthen and our current and our future initiatives. And so Carly is a part of that team. It's her second term and her feedback has been invaluable as you can hear just in the way she's um, talking with us and shaping our new Encompass rating system. So I just wanted to thank her um, you know, from Charity Navigator very publicly um, for all the advice and, um, and real talk that we had. So I appreciate that. Thank you, Nalani. And I, I continue to be grateful for the relationship that we're building and, and happy to see you over there at, at Charity Navigator. Um, I think one, I would just put in another plug for Native Nonprofit Day and, and give Native and encourage people to check out our website at nativeways.org. You can get more information about those campaigns. We also do trainings for foundations, philanthropy serving organizations, um, and other other donor types of donors to to learn more, to to figure out how how they can do better and build those relationships with our communities so that our communities can thrive. 
Outstanding. I really appreciate both of you taking all, all this time to share what you're doing and these good suggestions with everyone. Uh, we'll get this uh, word out as much as we can. So just a quick uh, final thank you to Noelani Pearl Hernandez, the Vice President of Culture and Leadership at Charity Navigator, and to Carly Badhart bull the Executive Director of Native Ways Federation. Both of you, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you thank for you, having Steve. me.